Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Let's Unpack That, your weekly podcast where this politically engaged queer millennial unpacks topics at the top of my mind. But today we're putting a spin on it because today we're unpacking what's on your mind. A couple weeks ago on Instagram, I put in just a question about what are the things that are upsetting you the most or the things you don't understand the most. And so many people responded, like probably about 200 of you. And it was pretty overwhelming. I wanted to respond to everybody individually, but I really wasn't able to. Um, I just shared a couple back on my story. So I thought that I could connect with Erica and just do a quick episode where we unpack our burning questions. So today we're going to talk about a couple things. Um, the five key questions that are all sort of themed together around the things that you suggested were Confederate monuments, social distancing and COVID-19, Trump retweeting a video about white power, your family members voting third party, and then um, your family members saying that you share fake news. So we're going to cover a couple of those. Um, we're probably better at talking about a few of these. Um, specifically, I would say, like, I feel very comfortable talking more about politics than I do about COVID-19, but I certainly have some thoughts on social distancing. Um, I also wanted you guys to have an episode that was a little bit shorter, that was a little bit more jumping from topic to topic, um, sort of quick unpacks or carry-ons, if you will. Um, because to me, I think that um, it's great to be able to unpack big topics with people who either have lived it or experienced it or studied it, but it's also fun to just sort of get together and fucking rant for a little while. So um, Erica, welcome back to the podcast. Super, super excited to have you back. Hi. At this point though, as we've been talking, is this basically your podcast? Is that safe to say? Yeah, I think, you know, the listeners TM probably prefer uh, the sweet serenade of a strangled Muppet, me. So <laughs> I'm dying because Paul is laughing, but he's also wildly sunburnt. And so it just looks like he's laughing so hard he can't breathe. <laughs> Not totally far from the truth. Although I wouldn't say Muppet is the way that I would describe you. Like, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, the Muppets had a lot to say. There were got, there were a lot of good life lessons in that. So like maybe a Muppet is appropriate. Speaking of things with great life lessons, if you haven't seen the Babysitter's Club, I like fully highly recommend it. I know it was like a kid's book that we all, I mean, I certainly purchased it with the catalogs every Friday, every third Friday, maybe. I don't remember. Um, but the show is so well done. And it's, even though it's a quote unquote kids show, they cop top cover like super relevant topics, like not to spoil anything, but like there's a little boy who identifies as a little girl. And one of the babysitters, you know, has to take this kid to the doctor and they keep referring to this little boy as a boy. And she was like, uh-uh. He identifies as a female, and you will address her as such. And I was just like, oh! <laughs> Can we just say, go off Babysitter's Club? Like, right. I'm so happy about that. It's I'm so, so happy about that. Oh my gosh. It is, you know, I'm sure it'll make people upset. But, um, like, if I were to ever make the mistake for myself of having a child um 
I, and only in the lens of myself, I'm not a, a caretaker in that sense, but, um, you know, it's something that I would want my children to watch because it's digestible and it's really well done, but it takes a very easy approach to some not so easily approachable topics. And it could start a conversation, but not in a way where it's like, ooh, I was watching a TV show and they said like, tranny, what's that? So now you have to like unteach them something and then reteach them something. So um, the Babysitter's Club is very well done. So that is my plug of the pod. That's so great. Uh, today I watched um, I Am Not Your Negro, which I also felt like had very significant life, le- life lessons, although very much to the same, to the opposite tune of what you were just saying about something that's light and something that's digestible and something that's easy to watch. I found myself, again, continuing to recognize how little I know about Black history. And if you're not familiar, I Am Not Your Negro was a nominated, an Academy-nominated movie um, back in 2017, I believe. And it follows James Baldwin, who was a civil rights activist in the 60s. And it was just so well done. He's a Black man. Specifically, there's a lot of references to him potentially being gay. I'm not sure if that's confirmed. I only watched it today. But it was just like a fantastic lens of the problems of racism and the problems that, like, white people need to handle in order to solve racism and and create equity between different groups. So that's my plug for the pod. And I kind of like this segment of us just doing a plug of stuff that we're watching. Um, So whether you go as simple as the Babysitter's Club or as in-depth as I Am Not Your Negro, I think like just those little pieces of learning are still going to be hugely important. Um, Because I've found recently that it has been somewhat hard to digest really complicated stuff. And I think that I'm suffering from something I know we're gonna talk about later, which is scandal exhaustion. And just like, generally speaking, anxiety, because it's been so hard for me to really get in depth on each of the different things and stories that has popped up without like it draining my soul. Mm -hmm. Um, So, And I I say that, yes, through a lens of privilege, but I also say that through a lens of, like, I get it why people are feeling anxiety and why people just sort of have these questions that we can unpack because there's so much on everybody's mind that it's okay to feel, like, a little messy, a little stupid, a little bit behind, but keep learning however digestible or hard to digest the content that you're consuming is. So, um that's just sort of my reflection on the media that I've been watching and the media that I've been plugging. I love this. The plot, the pod plug. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's fun. Well, let's jump into it. Let's unpack some of those burning questions. Um, The first thing that I want to talk about is one question that I got from probably five or six Instagram users about why are people so upset about Confederate monuments? So what is the deal? What's going on? What do people care about? Why are they bad? It, what's the view on either side? I don't think that I want to particularly cover the view on both sides because I think that one side has significantly more merit to it. Um, so why are people so upset? I, I, I don't know because the president told them to be upset because they feel that white supremacists and people in the Confederacy represent their history and the history of America, which to an extent they do, but maybe those aren't the figures that we should be idolizing in the form of statues in town squares. Maybe those are something more acceptable for a museum about 
<laughs> of the Civil War. So um, again, let's unpack that quickly. You know, con Confederate monuments. Erica, thoughts? Give it um, to us. I don't know why you think we fucking need them because, first of all, no one knows the team that loses the Super Bowl, right? Like we don't give a fuck about the team that loses the Super Bowl. Only it's loser ass fans. So why are we honoring something, you know, like why are we honoring a side that A, lost, and B, a side that is no longer representative of values that, I mean, technically what this country does hold those values, but they really shouldn't. True, true. <laughs> and it's kind of, at the end of the day, when the southern states chose to secede from the union, that was an act of treason. And I don't understand why we, you know, we're not celebrating the Timothy McVeighs. And I'm sure he thought he thought he stood for something great, too, but he fucking did it. So it's an act of treason. It is no longer relevant to society in the sense that our the society that we live in now is in no way supposed to be reflective of the Confederacy in the ways that it does reflect the Confederacy are detrimental to members of this society, specifically black members of society. Um, you know, the in the Articles of Secession, what is it? Like mentioned, like slavery is mentioned, what, like 2070? I don't know. It's mentioned a lot. Um, and it keeps coming up in this, in this document. So clearly it is a matter of slavery and it's pro-slavery. And when people are like, why are you tearing this down? Like, why would you want to honor? I mean, people compare it to Germany all the time. They're not honoring the Nazis. They're honoring the people who unfortunately lost their lives due to the Nazis. Um, and that's how we don't ever come. That's how they avoid coming back to it is they say, this is this horrible thing that we did as a country and we were all a part of it. We all played some type of role. And we're going to educate you of the horrors of it and also the way that it impacted our truly our own citizens. Um, and so then when we have Robert E. Lee High School, which is the high school that my dad went to, home of the rebels. Um, you have, oh, my God. I, home of the rebels. It's hilarious. At Robert E. Lee High School. What the fuck do you think that stood for? What do you think that was praising? And it's just like, how do you how do you expect your citizens to feel comfortable? Like, if I was Jewish and I walked into, you know, some type of monument honoring Hitler or any other Nazi, I didn't bother to learn their names because they're terrible people. Ow, fuck, Sandy. Sorry, my cat just scratched the shit out of my foot. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it's not welcoming. Like, you don't feel like this is a home that wants you there. Um, you know, it's a big scary thing that's kind of like, you're not welcome here. And so that's what I see with these Confederate monuments. And also, it's just like, what impact does it have on your life is what I really need to know. Mm -hmm. And I mean, going even further, I think you made a really good point talking about um, the Holocaust, which is not something, uh, you know, I would think about even in reference to this, but I think that that's the point, right? Like so many people think of the Holocaust as 6 million Jews died and then all the other people who were killed during the same time because of the war. But like people don't think about slavery in the same aspect because people didn't die all at one consolidated time, but it was still 
a systemic murder of millions of people. And it was still millions of people who existed in some slave state for hundreds of years. And like, when you think about how ridiculous it is, like the Confederacy only existed for five years. So I saw that meme going around that was like, the Confederacy has existed as long as gay marriage has been legal. Why aren't we building, why aren't we building statues for the gays? Which I don't need that, but I'm sure some gays probably want that. It's something to do with the vainness. But, um, you know, the, the Confederacy also only existed because people in the South still wanted slaves, as you said. It's the Articles of the Confederation, they referenced it so many times. And there are statues in 31 states, even though the Confederacy was 11 states. So what are those other states doing building statues for people that weren't even part of the Confederacy? Like, it's obviously a symbol of white supremacy. But the real issue, right, is like, like what? who the fuck cares? Who needs this? Like, whether they tear it down or whether they don't, it's like, let's focus on changing the like the policy issues again like statues are just a symbol but still like they're they're a, they're a horrible symbol but like why are we so focused on statues when we should be focused on the root of the problem but like also i don't know like a, a couple articles that i read were talking about how like black people's tax dollars as well as mine you know like are used to clean these statues yeah. to conserve them as part of history so we are paying to preserve a type of history that has no regard for people like you, a black person, or somebody like me, who is a queer person. Like, why are we even, and that's not to equate like my experience within the, the, the Civil War and, and the Confederacy, like it has nothing to do with that. It's just like, why would we do something like that? Like, I don't want to pay for that shit. So fucking tear them down. But also like, let's, I don't know, let's focus on actual reform too, yeah. not symbols. And that's I, another part of it. That's what bothers me too, is it feels like some people are fighting so hard for these Confederate monuments that they're forgetting, you know, the people that these monuments affect. And it's just the, it shifts from, oh my God, you're right. Like this didn't involve so many people. And, you know, not only did, not only was it a black issue, like these are Americans losing their life for it. You know, like if, if the fight had happened on foreign soil, this would not be a conversation. Uh, and that's also tr something I truly do not understand. Like, honestly, it could have been between us and Canada, and we would never put something on our borders, you know, honoring the great generals of Canada who, whose asses we still beat. So it's just, it's just stupid. Like, you know what, if you want to, if that's the hill you want to die on, let that be the hill that you want to die on. In my personal opinion, the people who are up in arms about these monuments aren't people who have anything to provide when it comes to the fight towards equality. So, Yeah, speaking of hills to die on, let's talk about death. So let's transition to, are people still social distancing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. That was so subtle. <laughs> so are people still social distancing? Why does my Instagram feed look like everyone is still together? The answer to that is no, people are not social distancing. And your Instagram feed looks like that because people are violating what the CDC is recommending. Or as a family member put it, quote unquote, the virus. And I was like, oh my God, like, let's not get, let's not put air quotes around this shit. Kirk Wilson, I'm calling you out. No, but uh, he did. He wasn't the one to do it. But I mean, it's just thinking about, you know, like the fact that, 
people are now questioning the validity and existence of this virus. And, and they're questioning why they should even be social distancing. Here's a reason to social distance. As of today, what the fuck even is today? Uh, Monday, July 13th. There is a 51% increase in cases compared to the last two weeks and a 28% increase in deaths compared to the last two weeks. You can clock the New York Times, you can call that fake news, but that is the fact based on the database that the CDC is putting out. So are people still social distancing? No, should they be? Absolutely yes, because cases and deaths are both on the rise in 42 out of 50 states. So I don't know why people have just decided that coronavirus is over. Because they're bored because they're bored right it's because they're what like just can't handle staying at home with their netflix their air conditioning their unlimited booze i just i can't get it and you know what that's what drives me crazy is the people who are like i'm so over this like i just want the country to open like i i said it to someone like the catch flight not feelings bitches are something else i'm like first of all because you broads, I shouldn't call them that. It's everything. No, you're broads. You're bimbos. You're fools. You're clowns. Um, you're all bad things. Because I love the word clown. Yeah. <laughs> you are a clown and a plum fool. Um, but all these people are like, oh my God, can't wait for my next adventure. And it's like, you are not going on an adventure because no country wants us. Like if you got on a plane, or if you were at the airport, when you're at the gate, they will say, we are not accepting anyone with a United States passport onto this flight. So everyone who's like, oh my God, like, I love Bali. I love all these like basic bitch places that everyone goes to. And it's really not that adventurous anymore because it's become completely whitewashed by the tourist industry. But that's besides the point. <laughs> that is another episode <laughs> that I would love to discuss. Whole other episode. But it's like, you are the reason why you're miserable. Truly, if, if this country took four weeks, four weeks, two pay cycles to just stay home and truly quarantine, we could, not that we could get out of this, but we are 90% out of the woods by that alone. Um, but, you know, we're a very individualistic country and everyone thinks that their time is more relevant than someone else's life. And I, you know, I had a relative, a very close relative who's in the hospital and I could not see them because of COVID. And it is frustrating that children are being born. Um, family members are dying, whether it's COVID or not, but they're dying alone. Mothers are going through birth for the first time alone. And it's just like, just because it doesn't affect you doesn't mean that this cannot be someone that you love. And even if you don't get sick or if you get sick and you're fine, like there's so much more consequences to it. And I just... I get so frustrated. Like everyone's just so selfish. And, and that's the thing. It is that's the thing. It's it, it feels to me totally selfish. It doesn't feel to me that we need to be respectful of people's comfort level because experts, scientists, researchers, like people who are fluent in infectious disease are all saying the same thing. Six foot fucking radius, especially inside, but even outdoors, and wear a goddamn mask. It's not that hard. And 
My issue is that there's so many people talking about the economy. And so the argument then shifts to, oh, you just want to hold the economy up so then the economy fails and then Trump will get, won't get reelected. It, to me, it has nothing to do with that. I care about the economy just as much as the rest of you motherfuckers. And the reason that I think we need to change that conversation is because we should be talking about what we were talking about back in May. It was, yes, let's reopen, but if we do it, we need universal testing. And if we do it, we need contact tracing. And thank God for some of the tech giants in Silicon Valley, for all of their flaws, are trying to help us do contract tracing so that when somebody tests positive, it can alert other people that they may have been in contact with them. We were talking about that. We were going down this path. We were making not progress, but at least the conversation was happening. And then all of a sudden, Florida, Texas, all these states just started to reopen. So they made it even more difficult. So I am not saying, let's keep this closed, let's keep this down until everything is under control, but what, like, and, and shut down the economy permanently. But what I'm saying is like, let's take significant measures so we can reopen safely. Let's not just reopen and say, COVID is gone, the quote unquote virus is gone. Like that's not helpful to anybody. You're just gonna kill more people and the numbers are always delayed because the test results take so much time. So we will continue to see higher increases in cases and higher increases in deaths. And if I'm wrong, quote me, tag me, drag me, whatever. Let us be wrong. Like, I would love to be wrong about, you know, to, for some reason, COVID just stops happening and people stop catching it. That'd be great, but that's not realistic. Um, but, you know, if... And that's that's the whole thing, right? Like, if you're... If you're wrong, if you're wrong, you wore a face mask over yourself. You wore a little piece of fabric over your mouth for a little while. Is that so hard? No. I literally, I flew today. And I will say American is not, um, they are booking their flights at full capacity, which was very frustrating, Um, especially because I did not travel for leisure. I, I traveled out of a necessity. And it was just kind of like, okay, well, fuck you guys. Like, you're so worried about making money that you're willing to risk, like, people's health. And they're like, oh, well, you have to wear a mask, blah, 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 which they will kick you off the plane. Um, They did kick someone off my flight. But it's just like, or you could um, not book your flights at full capacity and still ask people to wear masks. Not that right. Right, exactly. And it's like, why would you not account for some level of social distancing and then demand from the government that like, we invest a little bit more in that business and bail out those like airlines that have respected the rules? Like, to me, I'm an American card holder. And I'm like, actively thinking, how can I use this card less and cancel it? Because they are literally putting people in risk to make a profit when if the airline industry banded together and tried to put some pressure on Washington to get more funding. And again, we're going to have to deal with the economic fallout. Like no one, no one is denying that fact, but just to force some social distancing on these flights, because like you said, you're traveling out of necessity for a family emergency. So 
you're then also then going to like risk your own family's life and then you're going to risk it on the way back you're going to risk your own life and your roommates on the way back too it's just crazy like it's just crazy they're not even taking any amount of steps to to help people they were i guess but they've also canceled covid so it i find it so frustrating that like we just gave up because we could have had the resources you know we could have had like the resources to to mitigate this virus and it's been proven to be effective in every other country so god rant over for me but i don't know if you have anything else to say for today we're done but just know that i will be in your mansions and i will at you and i will go after you because i have nothing else to do Speaking of mentions, tags, and retweets, why don't we talk about how the fact that Donald Trump a couple weeks ago retweeted a video about white power on Twitter, and what about when he even shot at peaceful protesters to take a picture in front of church, in front of a church? How, how, how did we, and I say we as in the general fragile white people who are supposed to be allies, so quickly move on from this? And you know what? I do have to say at this point in the podcast, if you're getting irritated with the way I'm talking to you, just take a second and self-reflect because I really care about this. And what you're talking about by getting irritated with me and my rant is just the fact that you're like, I don't want to hear about the president retweeting white power. Yeah, well, you know what? That that contributes to systemic racism. So please listen. Um, But this is just one of those moments where I have to think about like, where are we and where were we? Like, just even a couple weeks ago, there was a video of a man in Florida shouting white power at Black Lives Matter protesters, and the president retweeted it. If you don't know what is so harmful about people believing in white power, then I suggest you go to your friend Google and you type in the words white power it's spelled w-h-i-t-e space p-o-w-e-r because i cannot i cannot believe that that is the timeline that we're living in in 2020 that like the president retweeted that and then we just all moved on after a week um so i think it has to do with scandal exhaustion i mentioned it at the beginning of this episode um the country moves on the news cycle moves on i say save that shit i say don't forget that make a little note i have a note on my phone that just says shit trump has done to the lgbt community I'll, i mean i'll share it on my instagram if you want and i just keep track every time another policy comes out where he tries to oppress my rights I put in a little note and I say, if I'm only going to ever fight for myself, this is the person who's not fighting for me. It just, you can't allow yourselves to move on and send this shit, send these quotes to people when they argue. Um, that's my rant. You know, that that's my response to your burning question. Uh, we can't move on. We can't move on. So uh, Erica, any thoughts on the president retweeting a video about white power? I mean, listen, we've been known that Trump is trash. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's just, at this point, if if he needs to further convince you that he's a terrible person, you're an idiot. Like, I don't, I, it doesn't take much in for, like, you don't have to know much about Trump to know that he's terrible, even though, um, I don't know if you've heard about it, but his niece is coming out with a book, and she has her PhD in psychology, and it's all about him, and she is spilling some fucking tea. And, you know, again, 
I don't know why you still need convincing that he's a terrible person. Um, if you don't think that Trump is a bad person, uh, you are so racist <laughs> and sexist and homophobic and classist. And I'm kind of running out of is, but you're probably all of them because he is all of them. And if you can willfully ignore that, then you clearly do not care, which means you are not just a part of the problem, you are the problem. And that is the T. I 100% agree with what you said. And I feel like one of the reasons why I get so frustrated is because that people can claim allyship towards Black people, queer people, any other type of people that we want to talk about on this podcast. Uh, You know, let's not forget the fact that uh, trans people have a life expectancy of 35. Uh, I just think that if you don't even realize that Donald Trump believes the shit that he retweets, i.e. white power, i.e. the shit he tweets himself, like um, Mexicans are drug users and rapists. Uh, It wasn't a direct quote, but it's pretty damn close. Um, If you think that you are an ally, yet you vote for a person like that, you are, in fact, endorsing those policies and those beliefs and the beliefs of all the people that he supports. And I don't want to mince words about this because many days I do try to talk to my conservative family and friends. And maybe this episode is really for the liberal people who are pissed off. Um, But I think that your dialogue needs to be geared towards a lot of those people in the middle, convince those people in the middle, show them in the middle how this man has directly impacted black people, queer people, trans people, people like you. All it takes is a quick Google search to Google Donald Trump LGBT rights. And GLAD, GLAD, one of the best organizations for gay and lesbian and queer people, pops up with a list of articles that you can send to your family and friends about how I don't want to vote for this president and you shouldn't either because of X. Here's all of these articles that they can read and digest and learn about. Spend time with those people who are on the fence, you know, because goddamn, like, it's just as simple as that. Like, you know, and the, the, the white power retweet is just one example. Again, like, it's just one example, Erica, as you said, of, of his complete bigotry and racism. So, um, that's how I feel about that. <laughs> and that's that on that. <laughs> Speaking of other things that I don't particularly want to entertain, but I do feel because it was a popular question about voting third party about, you know, well, I don't want to vote for Donald Trump because I don't want to endorse his racism, but I don't know that I like Joe Biden because of, you know, what he did on the crime bill and uh, his potential, you know, issues with with sexual assault, which I absolutely plan on unpacking in another episode. Um, uh, Even if you want to vote third party, isn't that still an endorsement of Donald Trump? Because potentially your votes could be helping him. And so if you're thinking, I don't like Donald Trump, and I don't like Joe Biden, but 
I want to vote for this third party candidate, even though we don't really have a clear name yet, and we don't really have a party position, and we don't really have any advertising or funding because there's nothing really going on. There's no national presence whatsoever from any third party. And Kanye West does not count. Um, how can you fight your family and friends or fight your inner monologue around third party? So a couple things to know. Um, in 2016, 94% of the vote went to either Trump or Hillary. Um, but in previous years, it was much closer. So it was like 98%, I think, when Obama and Romney battled each other in 2012. Um, so more people voted for third party in 2016 than had voted in a couple previous elections. Not every election, but a couple previous ones. Um, so third party was on a path to decline for the last three elections. But because so many people did not have a positive view of Donald Trump and or Hillary Clinton, they wanted to turn to third party. So let me break it down in the sense of how Pennsylvania votes fell. So um, 268,000 people voted third party in Pennsylvania in 2016. And many people, when they were watching CNN and they were watching Wolf Blitzer call in the votes and he was giving you his key race alert or uh, Sean Hannity was, you know, fucking jerking himself off and uh, sucking Tucker Carlson's dick um, during election night in 2016. Many people, once it was revealed that Pennsylvania went for Trump, were like, Hillary is done. If this happened, Hillary is done. There's no way that she can win. So 268,000 people in Pennsylvania voted for the third party candidate. Trump won Pennsylvania by only 44,000 votes. And I have to imagine that there were a lot of those people who would have voted for Hillary if they knew a little bit about her or if they had an ally listening to a podcast about voting third party at the time. So 268,000 people voted for third party, but Trump won Pennsylvania by 44,000 votes. If people had not voted third party and a host of other reasons, I say that with the biggest disclaimer, because I'm not blaming people who voted third party, but if some of those people who had voted third party had voted for Hillary Clinton, we would not be in this situation right now. I have to believe, too, that she would also have taken more aggressive approaches on coronavirus, on conservative monuments, and everything else that we talked about in, in previous episodes. So when you think about why should I cast a vote for third party, I'm not saying your vote does not matter, but what I'm saying is you could potentially impact the election in a way that would disproportionately disadvantage people in the queer community, people in the black community, and people in other minority communities. So when you think about that third party vote, I would encourage you to think about people like Erica and I, who under the Trump administration, because one of the reasons that Trump won is because a lot of people voted third party more than they had before. One of the reasons, again, we'll talk about Hillary's campaign in another Instagram or, it's, or another podcast, but that's been covered a million other times. When you think about that, think about people like Erica and I who would be disproportionately disadvantaged under a Trump presidency round 
too. So I just implore you to talk with your family and friends around who Joe Biden really is. Joe Biden is not this massively liberal candidate. Like Joe Biden certainly is more liberal than he was in 1994 when he wrote the crime crime bill or co-authored the crime bill. But you need to think about the whole picture of how voting third party takes away votes from somebody who is advocating for people like you. Um, And maybe that's my simplistic view, but Erica, I know you have some feelings on that as well. And I would love to give you the airtime too. She does have feelings about it. Um, So my big thing is a lot of people start to discuss third party and really be active about, or, you know, be vocal in the fact that they want to vote third party because they don't like the candidates that we have as an option. And to which I ask, well, where was this before we got to this point? Because the election does not come as, it's not a surprise drug test. It comes every four years, right with the Olympics. If you can do math, it happened in 2016. 16 plus four equals 20. 2020 is where we are now. Um, You know, where were you when we had, I know plenty of people who, are now voting third party who had Democratic candidates who they preferred. Um, A lot of them were for Bernie. And I said, okay, well, did you vote in the primaries? They're like, no. Did you ever, you know, have discussions about this with your family? Well, no. And so it's kind of like you are as much a part of why we're here as the politicians themselves, um, it didn't have to be Biden. We made it Biden. Uh, We got to the point where there was truly no candidate who stood out within the party or who stood out and had the right backing within the party um, for it to be anyone but Biden. And, you know, I have my qualms with policies that he's supported in the past. I think he often gets, as a black person, it's kind of like, oh, you should vote for Biden because he ran with Obama. Um, But Obama and Biden are two different people. And I'm sure there are disagreements in those rooms that we didn't know about. Um, You know, he has sexual assault claims, not as many as Trump, but, you know, I think it's however too many in, in general. But it's like we did all of... You do all this complaining now when it's too late and you didn't do any of the work beforehand so that this didn't have to be the case. Um, And so really, I always ask people, where were you beforehand? Where were you in the interim elections? Um, Where were you in the voting polls? Where were you in those conversations between people who were, you know, on the fence or moderates? Like you could have done something earlier on. Honestly, I know people who are like, I'm not going to vote. And I'm like, I personally think you're lazy. (laughs) There is truly no reason not to vote. It is not always just the president. Um, And it is not always just Democrat or Republican when it comes to the House and the Senate. So realistically, as much as I get it that you don't want to vote for Biden, I... I want 
I want you to tell me why you do want to vote for Trump, because that is what you're doing. Um, like I said, like both of us have said, there's really no, not enough, not a strong enough third party presence. I think Joe Jorgensen, is that how you say your name? Jorgensen? Something German? But, um, you know, I think that there's a lot that she stands for that I support, but I didn't know about her because no one was telling me about her. No one was telling me about, you know, the Libertarian Party, the Green Party. And it's just like, you're not informing anyone. And so when you're not putting in any work, you're not going to yield any results. You're sowing seeds, but you're not watering them. Um, and that's why they're not sprouting. So I just think it's a, a lot of people hoping that something will sprout in dry soil. And that's just not how it's going to work. And it's unfortunate, but that is the state of our politics. That has always been the state of our politics. We've had one president in our country's history that technically did not fall under a political party. And it was our first president. So, um, you know, this is very much a long time coming thing. And let's put in the work in 2021 so that we're not stuck with another 2020. I have so much to say back to what you just said. And I think that you are so on point and you hit so many things that I couldn't even hit just talking about my numbers of where the votes landed in 2016. But when you think about people like AOC and you think about all of the women who ran for the House and ran for the Senate and all of the people of color who ran alongside them, who maybe weren't women or were part of the movement, but not featured as much. When you think about those people, if you watch Knock Down the House on Netflix, you can see what effort and energy it takes to make your party valid. Because AOC knocked on thousands and thousands of doors. And it took so much effort and work to upseat the democratic establishment and that was because she had a team of people who were committed to her who were committed to her platform whose policies were thought out who attacked the challenger before he even knew that she was running uh, or before he even knew that she was running so when you think about the validity of a party you have to think about the effort that they've put in but also the effort that their voters have put in and the effort that you have put in. Don't just throw away your vote in that sense towards somebody else who hasn't put any effort into their campaign or hasn't been able to attract any donors. That, to me, is where it toes the line of a wasted vote because you never know how slim the margins are going to be in certain states. And so when you... Think about throwing that vote towards a candidate who has zero chance of winning. Think about what you're doing to the outcome. And when you're thinking about voting third party, just please think about the people that you would be impacting and really make sure you get to know the candidates before you make a decision like that. Um, but speaking on that, I have family members and friends who I've been disagreeing with on Instagram. I probably don't fight as much as I should, but I've been trying to argue and dialogue as much as I can. But um, I'm going to indulge my privilege for a moment. Um, um, they're tiring me out. 
Um, and I'm going to say that, but I'm going to end that with, I'm not giving up. Because everything I do, everything that I've done, the people that I've been battling with, they're fucking response on third party on covid on trump's white power tweets on everything we've talked about in this podcast is it's just fake news they don't trust my sources they say my heart's in the right place but i'm misinformed i need to open my eyes and this is like something i hear daily and you may as an ally also be feeling the same thing and i want you to know that it is okay to be tired, but it is not okay to give up. Um, they and these people are working to make you feel stupid. They are working to test your patience. They want you to give up and to concede to their points. Your news is not fake. Your morals are not misguided. <laughs> and... I have no other inspiration to give you because I feel that I'm just as tired as you, but my only perspective is that cannot stop me. It may stop me for a few hours, but it cannot stop me for multiple days because every time we give up in this fight, every time we let down our Black friends and family, every time we allow people to make us feel that the research we do that the work we do is wrong and invalid we are letting them win and i want to indulge you in a term called sea lioning because i have been sea lioned many many times and if you are familiar with it great but i was not familiar with it until a week ago um, when somebody is trying to sea lion you they are going to attack you, your principles, your sources, and everything that you believe. And when you think about the noise that a sea lion makes, a sea lion is constantly interrupting you. They're never really having dialogue with you. You could tell a sea lion it's cute, but it's just going to bark back at you. And it's never going to listen. It's never going to change because they only have one way of talking. And the entire experience that you feel after interacting with a sea lion is pure exhaustion. And I have been sea lion recently, and I am learning to set boundaries with those people. But I am also trying to consciously tell myself that I will not give up and I will not stop fighting. Because again, your news is not fake. Your opinions are valid. You have researched and you have listened and you have worked and you know that you don't know everything, but you need to keep working. And Erica has the primary black representation we have on this podcast. You can tell me if that is just me speaking out of my privilege, or you can validate me, or you can ignore me altogether. But I just wanted to be able to say that to the allies who are tired, but should not be tired. Um, because it doesn't matter if it's Trump. It doesn't matter if it's systemic racism. It doesn't matter if it's queer issues. It doesn't matter if it's immigrant issues or refugee issues or any of the rights that we've talked about in this podcast but you have to kind of keep going you know so feel free to chime in about why we need to keep going or what you think about those people yeah i mean truly my thing is the only reason that they're fighting so hard to disprove you is because they know that you're right if they when i know that someone is completely dead wrong i ignore them because there's no point 
So when they're choosing to constantly engage and constantly attempt to refute, um, they know that you have a point and it is a point that either invalidates something that or invalidates some part of them or invalidates one of their beliefs. Um, and that's not a feeling that anyone wants to feel. And so that's why they're fighting so hard against it. Um, but that means that you're on to something. It means that you've said something that triggered them in some way that their first response is to fight or flight. Um, and these people just happen to be on the fight side of things. And I, you know, people like that are going to continue to exist. And in my opinion, they, their time or their place in in this society is dwindling. Um, Paul and I were talking about like these Gen Zers on TikTok and they're in these fucking streets. Like they are, they're having arguments with their parents about race and they're being vocal. And it's so clear that we are trending towards you know, a society where people are at least aware, does that mean that these things that are in place are going to stop happening? No, because they're so ingrained. But people are starting to say time's up on this. Um, And so people who just choose to ignore facts, choose to ignore what's in front of them, they, they can only do so well. And eventually, it's just going to run out, you know? And I think you need to keep educating them because if you care about them and you love them, they need to know that how they're thinking no longer works. Um, just refuting, 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 refuting does not work. Even the best scientist has to, has to consider every single theory and every single aspect of each theory before they can say, no, this is wrong. Um, And just academically, that's how it works. You have to look at every single aspect of a theory or hypothesis before you say it's wrong. And you still have to consider what parts of those hypotheses or theories are true in order for your argument to become stronger. And when they're just saying, no, everything's wrong. This isn't it. This is completely false. They know that there's so much truth in their argument that they're not willing to fight it. Um, you know, I had an argument unrelated politically because my family tends to be an echo chamber um, for most things. I think, you know, we have some division on social issues, but it's, it's you know, I guess my family learned how to talk with each other uh, with respect. But, um, you know, we had an, a disagreement on something and my sister went in, went to a completely unbiased source and said, well, here are the figures. And we looked at the figures and we said, well, you know what? This is where we, dis- this is why we disagreed. And this is where you were wrong. This is where I was wrong. This is where you were right. This is where I was right. Um, and those are truly the conversations that matter, but people aren't willing to have them. And again, that's on them. Um, they are adults. And if they want to act like children, they can act like children. But when the rest of the world catches on, Um, and you have people looking at you, especially, I'll be honest, I'm not proud to be an American. Um, I'm proud to be 
an African-American, but I'm not proud to be an American in the sense that our, we're so associated with pride um, and really pride in a, you know, I see pride is in the seven deadly sins pride, not a look how great we are, like not a celebratory pride. Um, and it's misplaced. Uh, we are proud of things, like I said, like we said, the Confederate monuments that we don't need to be proud of. And our pride is getting in the way of our our ability to advance as a society, and I'm getting sick of it. So, you know, keep fighting because we, we really are charged to make America great um, <laughs> because it's not great. And the mango Mussolini in our office did not make it great. So it's on us and it's on the generations ahead of us. So keep working because it will lead to something. And for the people who try to tire you out, they know it's, they see the writings on the wall and they're just doing whatever they can to stay relevant. And I hate to say that because that might be your mom or your pop pop or your uncle Steve or whatever, but you know, it, it's hard to say. I hate to say that like they're, they will one day be irrelevant to American history, but I mean, they will be because they did nothing to make, they did nothing to advance us. They did nothing to make our American history a greater history. Um, if anything, they're just reinforcing the parts of our history that we should be embarrassed about. So keep fighting because you are fighting the good fight and they're fighting too, but they are fighting for a losing cause. And so, you know, just because the other team started playing dirty, does it's because they're reading the scoreboard and they know they have no chance and they're doing whatever they can to beat you down and hope that they can take you in the last quarter but we're in it for the long haul and just keep with it because it's not going to stop. It's not going to get easier. And if you're thinking I'm tired, just know that a group of literal children, grade school children in Alabama were hosed, attacked by dogs, arrested, and they still kept fighting. And it was because people saw these children treated the way that they were and they thought, wow, I'm not proud of this country. I don't want to see this. This isn't the country. This isn't the morals that we stand on. And it's really, it's the tenacity of the individual that moves us forward, not the oppression of the system. And some people choose to be oppressed by the system, and that's fine for them. But for us, it's different. And I, that's, that's truly why I keep coming onto this podcast, because I want people to know that we're not done and there's no, nothing comes of giving up, but everything comes when you keep trying. Totally agree. Um, and I'll close on that because that has been another episode of Let's Unpack That. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you realized how raw it was and how, um, different it was for us um and i hope you find that it meets what you're feeling right now whether validates or challenges how you're feeling right now um and if you like this episode 
please comment, subscribe, and share on Spotify and iTunes. Um, you can also follow me at it's Paul Warren on Instagram, or you can follow Erica at Erica underscore Megan, M-E-G-A-N. Um, because we're here to listen and inspire, even if we aren't feeling particularly inspirational, we know the importance of all of us working together. So um, we hope you enjoyed this week's episode and we'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening. Bye guys.